Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is not narrow sectarianism, but the body of Christ. Through his messages in these life studies, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts. And we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll-free at 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Now let's join today's program. Friends, please listen to the words of the prophet Isaiah, spoken some 700 years before the coming of Christ. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of Jehovah been revealed? For he grew up like a tender plant before him, and like a root out of dry ground. He has no attracting form nor majesty that we should look upon him, nor beautiful appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our sorrows, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our transgressions. He was crushed because of our iniquities. The chastening for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we have been healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, Each one of us has turned to his own way, and Jehovah has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed, and it was he who was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is dumb before its shearers, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and by judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who among them had the thought that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due? And they assigned his grave with the wicked, but with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But Jehovah was pleased to crush him, to afflict him with grief, If you make his soul a trespass offering, he will see a seed. He will extend his days, and the pleasure of Jehovah will prosper in his hand. Because of the travail of his soul, he will see, and he will be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide to him a portion with the great, and he will divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he alone bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. A beautiful and more fitting portrait of Jesus Christ, the Savior, has not been written in either the New or Old Testament. We come today to one of the most sobering yet endearing chapters ever written, Isaiah chapter 53, 
And with us in the studio to enjoy it in our message today is Dick Taylor. Dick, we don't normally take the time to read an entire chapter on this broadcast, but uh, I think we agree that we had to present this chapter in its entirety before we got into it. It really is something, isn't it? It really is. We have to read this chapter. This is the sweetest chapter in the whole book of Isaiah. Maybe in the whole Bible, Dick. Let's join Witness Lee with our first portion. We have come to the most sweet chapter in Isaiah. That is chapter 53. I try my best to uh, point out all the secrets to you. Christ's dynamic redemption through his vicarious death and reproductive resurrection. These two are very crucial to the security of Israel. His lowly birth and suffering in his humanity. This is quite uh, sweet, for he grew up like a tender plant. In the Bible, a plant, the vegetable things, always typify humanity. So Christ was growing up like a tender plant, and this means he was growing up in his humanity. But in his divinity, he doesn't need to grow. He is complete already. But in his humanity, he was a little child. Then he grows into the boyhood until he reached the year 30. So he was fully perfected and completed that he would be able to come out to minister for God grow like a root out of dry ground. He was really a root out of dry ground. Mary and Joseph's home was a dry ground. Uh, Nazareth, that despised city, was a dry ground. And Galilee was also a despised uh, region, and that was also very dry. Dry ground that means poor, hard, and difficult living. Christ grew up in that kind of environment, like a road out of dry ground. He has no attracting form, nor majesty that we should look upon him, nor beautiful appearance that we should desire him. Apparently, his appearance is not that attracting. No attracting form, no majesty, no beautiful appearance. He was just a little poor, pitiful Nazarene. He was despised and forsaken of man, a man of sorrows. He even has a title that he is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. We did not regard him. We did not care for him. So he was just a distressed person. Dick, I'd like to spend some time on this portion because it may seem a bit deep and hard to grasp for some of our listeners, but it really is a significant point in God's economy, and that is the two natures of Christ. We know that he is God, 
the God, and as such, he possesses the divine nature of God. But he is also fully man, isn't he, Dick? He is fully man. But he needed to be perfected and completed in his humanity. So he had to grow from childhood through boyhood to manhood. I really enjoy the verses, Chris, in Luke 2, verse 40. The little child grew and became strong, being filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. In the same chapter, verse 52, Jesus advanced in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He had the human nature, but he needed to be perfected and completed in his humanity. Because two things. Number one, God needed a God-man model. He needed a man who was the perfect expression of God. Everything about this man was one with God and expressed God. And he needed a perfect offering to die a vicarious death. That is a death as a substitute for us, for our redemption. So he had to be perfected and completed in his humanity so that God would have a proper expression of himself in humanity at every stage of humanity, childhood, boyhood, and manhood. And at the same time, God needed an offering in order to accomplish redemption for us. God's intention is to gain an expression of himself in a corporate people by dispensing himself as life and everything into them. But to gain them because of the fall, firstly, redemption is needed. Because the Lord said, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So God needed such a proper offering, a sin and trespass offering. So Christ must be perfected and completed in his humanity in order to be such an offering to die such a precious, as we'll see later, vicarious death. Dick, how does this phrase in verse 2, growing as a tender plant, connect to this matter of his humanity? Well, this means that he is growing in his humanity before God. He's already complete and perfect in his divinity, but he needed to grow up all the way through, as I mentioned, childhood, boyhood, manhood. So the tender plant is the matter of humanity. The vegetable life throughout the scriptures most of the time refers to humanity. So this is what the tender plant is referring to. Well, Dick, we know, of course, that Christ has borne our sins and transgressions, but we need to see in this upcoming section that those are not all that he has borne for us. Let's rejoin Witness Lee. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our sorrows, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our transgressions. He was crushed because of our iniquities. The chastening for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we have been healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and Jehovah has caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon him. Well, 
Could you see here this uh, word put our iniquity, that means our sins, together with our sickness, with our sorrows. You have the word sicknesses, you have the word sorrows, you have uh, the word transgressions, you have the word iniquities, you also have the word have been healed. Here, Isaiah put sickness, sorrows, uh, these kind of things together with our transgressions, our iniquities, that means our sins. No doubt, these items need redemption. Now, your sickness and your sorrow, for these kind of things, do we need Christ's redemption? Sicknesses, sorrows, graves, all these negative things came all together from one thing, that is sin. In his death for us, he has borne our sicknesses and our sorrows. I don't know how many times, for your God's sake, and you pray that the Lord will heal you. How many times you did say, Lord, because in your death for me, you have borne my sicknesses. So I do have a ground to ask you to take my sicknesses away. This is a right prayer. Anything that comes out of sin, that needs redemption. Dick, how can we not love Christ as we read and listen to these words from Isaiah? He bore not only our transgressions and our iniquities, but even our sicknesses and sorrows. Why are these also covered, Dick, in this portion that so clearly is talking about our redemption? Like you said, We have to love Christ. This is such a precious portion. These two words, sickness and sorrow, are put together with transgression and iniquities. You say, now, was Christ's redemption for sicknesses and for sorrows? On one hand, no. His redemption was really for iniquities, for transgressions, for sin. But you must consider, what is the source of sickness? What's the source of sorrow? The source of sickness and sorrow is just sin. No one would get sick if they didn't have any sin. And there wouldn't be any sorrow if there was no sin. You consider, when is sorrow brought into your life and how is sorrow brought into your life? The source is always sin. So our Christ became the very sin offering. He was even a man of sorrows, bearing all the sorrow for us that we might even experience his healing from sorrow, because he bore our sicknesses and our sorrows, which have their source in sin, then we can pray, Lord, because of your death for me and your bearing of my sicknesses, when I'm sick, I do have the ground to ask you to take my sickness away. Now, this does not mean that we would just carelessly and purposely get sick in order to pray this. That's foolish. But just in our ordinary sicknesses, we do have the ground 
to pray this kind of prayer. I think all who are listening today, you should practice this. I've practiced this, and I've enjoyed something of this. Even while you're praying, you enjoy the sweetness of the one who bore our transgressions, our iniquities, our sicknesses, and our sorrows. He is too sweet. Dick, let's go back. We've got one more portion from Witness Lee. He was oppressed. It was he who was afflicted. Yet, he did not open his mouth. He didn't have any reaction to people's persecution. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is dumb before his shearers, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and by judgment, he was taken away. As for his generation, who among them had the thought that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. And his generation, no people understood that he died. He suffered the oppression. He suffered the judgment. He died for us. You have to realize, even at the time when Christ was dying on the cross, and Peter was there, and quite a number of his lovers were there, even they didn't understand quite well that Christ was there dying for them. That oppression, that judgment, that kind of strike should go to these people of God. But it went to Christ. Christ suffered that death for us. Yet at his time, in his generation, no one knew this. Then Jehovah was pleased to crush him, to afflict him with grave. On the cross, God put Christ to death. That means God was pleased to uh, crush him, to put him in death, to afflict him with grave in order to make his soul, that means he himself, a scenario. So Christ was dying there, a vicarious death for us, for the purpose to accomplish redemption. I use the word vicarious purposely. We all have to know for himself he didn't need to die. So he died for us. He died in our place. So he died a kind of a vicarious death. The uh, vicarious death of Christ is not martyred. He was not martyred. He was put to death by God for us. His uh, vicarious death is altogether for all redemption. He poured out his soul unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. Numbered because he was one of the three that was crucified on the cross. On the one hand, God crushed him. On the other hand, it was he himself who proud his soul. So on the cross was that God killed him or he killed himself. 
because God accepted him as the sin offering. God put that offering to death. So that death, the death of Christ, became the real vicarious death on the one hand. On the other hand, if that was only God put him to death, and he was not willing yeah. to die. If this was the case, then his death also became not a vicarious death. This vicarious death of Christ depends upon God's pleasing to put him to death and depends upon his willing to die this way, not to die by himself, but he is willing to die by God putting him to death. So this constitutes the real vicarious death. Dick, this is a very powerful presentation, establishing the effectiveness of Christ's vicarious death. Let's talk about this word vicarious. You used it in the introduction, and we've heard Witness Lee now use it as well. What exactly does this word mean and imply? This word means substitute, in place of, instead of. In verse 6 of chapter 53, the beginning, it says, Jehovah has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. In other words, he is our substitute. When he died on the cross as our sin offering, he was in our place. The death should have come to us, but it was borne by him. In verse 8, second half, it says, He was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgressions of the people to whom the stroke was due. We're the ones who really deserve the stroke of death but the stroke fell on him, and he was cut off out of the land of the living. This one, this wonderful Christ, is our precious substitute, dying in our place, dying in our stead, for our redemption, even for us, that we would be redeemed back to God. So in a basic way, this is vicarious. There's another question, Dick, I want to ask you, a point that I thought was very touching at the end here. Why does the effectiveness of this vicarious death require the two items that we see? First, God being pleased for him to suffer, and second, for his being willing to suffer. In other words, why couldn't God just force this to happen to make this effective? Our brother mentions that Isaiah's writing presents a clear defense in the heavenly court, testifying three things to show that his death was vicarious. You mentioned two, but I'll mention three. Number one in verse 10a, God was pleased to crush him and to afflict him with grief, making his soul a trespass offering. This is matching John 1.29. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God was pleased to put him to death as the offering for the taking away of our sin and for our redemption. Because God took him as the offering and put him to death, it became a vicarious death. He put him to death on our behalf for us and for our redemption. So number one, God was pleased to put him to death. 
Number two, in verse 12, it says, He poured out his soul unto death. This means that Christ himself was willing to die such a vicarious death. And his willingness was shown that even on the cross, he interceded for those who were putting him to death. This shows his strong desire to die for others and for our redemption and on our behalf. This also indicates that his death was a vicarious death, a death on our behalf. It would not be a vicarious death if God put him to death, but he was not willing to be put to death. He needed to be willing. He needed to be the proper willing offering. And then the third thing, Christ was sinless. He had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. That's in verse 9. This matches 1 Peter 1:18, 19. We are redeemed from our vain manner of life with precious blood as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, the blood of Christ. Christ would not have been a vicarious offering. His death would not have been a vicarious death if he would not have been spotless and sinless because he wouldn't have been a substitute. God needed sinless blood to be shed for our redemption. These three divine facts are a testimony in the heavenly court that his death was a vicarious death. God was pleased, Christ was willing, and this offering was absolutely perfect. He could do the job to redeem us sinners back to God for God's economy. Well, Brother Dick, I think we agree this chapter is too marvelous in this subject, too vast for us to do it justice in just one 30-minute program. So with your permission, we're going to have you back and spend more time on Chapter 53, which we heard Witness Lee say, to add to your word of testimony, perhaps the most precious chapter in the Old Testament concerning Christ. Would you come back and do this again? Yes, I sure will. Well, we appreciate that, and uh, for those of you who may not be with us, let me give you the information where you can get the entire message in its printed form as it was given by Witness Lee in 1990, and that would be in Isaiah Life Study, volume number two. And we will get this volume off to you, as well as volumes one or three in this three-volume set, or all three. If you're interested in this volume to get this magnificent series on the whole book of Isaiah, particularly these messages that we're covering now on this marvelous chapter 53, call our toll-free number 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. And we'll take down the necessary information and get these off to you. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. We will return with another portion of Witness Lee sharing from Isaiah 53 and Dick Taylor and myself. We hope that you'll join us then. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. We have these recorded studies on every book of the Bible, available to you online, free of charge. Just visit our website, lsmradio.com. You can download the MP3 files, stream them live, or add them to your podcast subscriptions, all at no charge. Once more, the website, lsmradio.com. To contact us, send email to radio at lsm.org or call us at one triple eight life study that's 888-543-3788 thanks for listening today